Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Frontier from American English with this guy, and today's English lesson is all about English phrasal verbs. In this lesson, I will teach you certain phrasal verbs that native English speakers use all the time. And isn't that the goal when speaking English to sound more natural, more like a native? But before we start the lesson, I need to remind you, please. Don't lose that accent. Keep that accent, but you're going to want to use these English phrasal verbs to sound more like a natural English speaker. The first three English phrasal verbs I want to teach you in this lesson all have the word "dig" in them. You might know what the verb "dig" means. It means to to get a shovel and probably dig a hole. Right now, I need to find a shovel somewhere in my garage because. As it gets really dark here, there is a dead mouse on my front lawn. So I'm, I'm not going to、uh, dig a grave for this mouse. I just want to take a shovel and take him probably back into the woods. But the first English phrasal verb I want to teach you is "dig up." Let me take care of this mouse, and then we can talk about "dig up." As soon as I find that shovel, I found a rake. In my garage, my my garage isn't that dirty, but、um, I just couldn't find the shovel here. I think it's actually back in my shed. Let's go back there, and then we'll talk about dig up. Poor little mouse. I think a cat got him. I don't own a cat, but my daughter said yesterday there was a cat on our front steps. I'll show you the front steps. And the poor little guy.、Uh, He's in the grass, just by my front steps. I won't show you his body. Just trust me; it's kind of gross and pretty sad. Dig up.、Uh, while we go back to the to the shed, let me talk about dig up. It means to find, and it usually means bad information. Let's say somebody was running for president of the United States. A lot of times, their opponents try to dig up information. They look for information that could hurt that person. Let's say they had an affair. Do you know what that means? An affair. It means that person was married, but then they had a relationship with somebody else. They had an affair. If a candidate had an affair, and、uh, you look for that information, you might try to dig that up. You might hear "dig some dirt up." On that person running for office or that candidate for office. Right now, I'm looking for my shovel, but I wouldn't say I'm trying to dig up my shovel. Most of the time, it's with information. Dig up. My shed is old and it's falling apart, and I need a bungee cord to hold the door together. Found the shovel. The next phrasal verb I'd like to teach you is "dig out." That also is another way to find, but maybe more like to look for. So I had to dig out. My shovel from the shed. Ooh, that might be kind of tough to say, huh? I had to dig out my shovel from the shed. Maybe you want to practice shadowing with that sentence. Lots of S's. But when you use "dig out," it means you probably know where that thing is located. You know where that is stored. Let's talk about that verb for a second. You know the noun "store." It's a place where you buy things. But if you store something, the verb it means you keep it 
for a period of time. When you're not using it, you might store that item. I don't need that shovel all the time. I thought I stored it in my garage, but apparently I store it in my shed. My family celebrates Christmas and each December we celebrate Christmas, but before we celebrate, we put up, ooh, that's another English phrasal verb. We put up decorations all over the house, but we don't use those decorations all year, pretty much only in November and December. And we store the decorations in those boxes behind me. So right after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is at the end of November in the United States, each Thanksgiving, I have to dig out our Christmas decorations so we can put them up all over the house. I'm walking in the woods for this next phrasal verb. The next phrasal verb is ward off. And I'd like to thank Glossa for suggesting that I cover ward off. When you hear ward off, think fight off, think prevent. Let's use a couple examples. Because I'm in the woods, there could be bugs here, but it just so happens that uh, I have some bug spray in my pocket it happens to be made in Maine, where I live. Well, this bug spray is going to help me ward off the bugs that might try to land on my skin. Also, vitamin C. Let's think about that. You can find vitamin C in foods like oranges. Some people think that vitamin C will ward off the common cold. And when I talk about the common cold, I mean the stuffy nose you might get, the, the coughing that you might get, the itchy eyes you might get when you get sick. Vitamin C might ward off the common cold. Let's talk about soccer for a second, or, or you might call it football. Let's say two teams are playing and one team is almost scoring a goal. The other team might try to ward them off try to prevent them from scoring that goal. The next phrasal verb I'd like to talk about is watered down. But before we talk about how we use the phrasal verb, let's talk about where it comes from. Maybe you drink soda. Maybe you drink Coke, one of the most popular sodas in the world, right? Well, if you buy it from a can or a bottle, it's pretty much at full strength. It's the way it should be but let's say you go into a convenience store and you get a fountain soda. And if, if you're not sure what fountain sodas are, I'll, I'll put a link up there, but it's not the real thing. They mix water with this thick syrup to make the fountain soda. Sometimes when uh, you get there and it's been out for a little while, it gets a little watered down. It's not as strong as it once was. Maybe there's not enough syrup and there's too much water. It doesn't taste as good as the real thing. Maybe you go into English class and you're told that it's an advanced English class. You really want to be challenged in this class. But when you get there, you find it's too easy. You could say that class was watered down. Let's talk about websites. You can go onto a website on your computer or you could go on to a website on your phone. We might call it the mobile version. A lot of times when you go on the computer, it's the real thing. It has all the features, it has all the things. But when you use your phone to get on that same website, it might be watered down. It doesn't have everything it normally does when you use it on your computer. If you found these phrasal verbs helpful, could you, could you hit it with a thumbs up? And if you're looking for more lessons with phrasal verbs, right up there is a whole playlist with lessons on phrasal verbs. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Hey, we are live. What is going on? Miho is here from Japan. How are you? Yawin's here from Taiwan. Rod's here from Brazil. And Linda is here from Italy. And uh, Linda was giving me some tips for my Italian earlier, so I appreciate that. So I should say, bel lavoro, oppure ultimo lavoro. See? 
All right. Um, I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, in today's English lesson, we are going to talk about some annoying habits that Americans have when they become tourists. So we're going to read this BuzzFeed article. If you're watching here live, hope you're all doing well. If you're watching here on replay, I mean, I still hope you're doing well. Maybe you're listening on the podcast. I hope you're staying cool. It looks like Italy might be a little hot this afternoon. So Linda, I hope you can stay cool. Yeah, so the title of this article is Americans Need to Stop These 15 Annoying Stereotypes While Traveling Abroad. So maybe we need to talk about some of these words in here. And as we go through this, if you are live, you know, definitely leave a question in there. I don't think it will be that busy this morning. If you, uh, oh, oh, uh, Linda, thank you. Ultimo lavoro, not ultimo. So ultimo means like good. Ultimo means last. So we don't, we don't want to do that. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Linda. Let's talk about annoying. What does, does anybody in the chat know what annoying is? Annoying. Um, I find it, <laughs> excuse me. I find it annoying when I don't speak Italian correctly. That's annoying. But how about if you have an itch on your back? right? You have an itch on your back, but you can't quite reach it and it's still itching. That's very annoying to me. How about if you're eating in a restaurant and you don't have children, but there are some children at the next table and maybe they are crying, Mm. crying children, crying babies. It can be a little annoying especially if they're not your own. It can be very, very annoying. Stereotype. Um, You know, we don't like to stereotype, but it's when you take a whole group of people, in this case, it's Americans, and you say they act the same way. So of course, when you have a big group of people, there are individuals in there. There are single people in there and you can't say that all people do this. Like, let's say all guys, all guys are jerks. That would be a stereotype. And hopefully that's not true. Hopefully not all guys. We know there are a few guys that are jerks, but hopefully not all. And the last part of that, that can be difficult. Traveling abroad. That means leaving their country the Americans, the ones in the United States, and maybe traveling to Europe or Asia or Australia or Africa or South America. The Americans, that's also kind of uh, interesting because let's think about it. Americans, um, Rod, he's from Brazil. He's an American. Not sure if he's still here, but he's an American. He's a South American. And Amina's here. Oh, she's working. Amina is also technically an American. She lives in Canada. She lives in North America, but it's because, you know, the United States of America, it's hard to call us anything else, but Americans Rod's still here. So we have people from South America, North America. We're all Americans. It's, it can get confusing though. It can get confusing. Mode is here. I don't think mode is a, is an American. I don't know where Mode is from, he, he, but we got to keep an eye on him. I know he speaks a little French. I know he speaks a little Arabic. And of course he speaks English. I'm going to guess, is he from, are you from Algeria? Maybe Morocco? It's just the French and the, the Arabic is the only thing I'm wondering about. Bibi, how are you? Bibi, I forgot where Bibi's from. Oh, but Amina has the American flag. So she is American too. They're like, um, yeah, it's a weird thing. Americans, North American, South American, but people in the United States, we call ourselves American. I think just because there's no better thing to call us. It's like United States or that doesn't even sound, 
that doesn't even sound right. So, um, Buzzfeed article, I will leave a link for this article if you would like to read it on your own. Um, I think there are like 15 of these. I'm not sure if we'll go over all 15, but let's go over a couple here. More than a couple. Let's go over a few. So as a long-term digital nomad, so that's the author. This author is a digital nomad. Her name is Clara Wang. She's a digital nomad, meaning she doesn't have to live in any one place because her job is on the computer, on the internet. So she could literally be anywhere in the world as long as there is an internet connection and she could work. So she's going to talk about some of these traits that we have, some of these things that make us us, stereotypes. So the first thing is they make direct eye contact and smile at everybody. Hey, Meg is here from India. How are you? And if you have seen the video that I did with Yawin's suggestions, she said that people in Taiwan rarely make eye contact. Ario, we just started. We just started. You're here. You're fine. You're not late. Welcome from Indonesia. Um, yeah, so we often in the United States, even if I don't know somebody, I'll look at them. Hey, how you doing? You know, very, very casual. I don't want to get all in their business. I don't want to ask, Hey, how you doing? You know, do you have a family? That would be creepy, but a simple, Hey, how are you? Yeah. We do that in the United States all the time. Now they, this author is going to talk about Let's look at right here. I will read this so you can practice your listening comprehension. It's going to be like an audiobook. I will read this. Hopefully, I won't make any mistakes. In America, population density is a lot more spread out than other countries. So we're a lot friendlier to strangers, except in high density urban areas like New York. Almost everywhere else in the world, it's strange or rude to make direct eye contact or smile at somebody you don't know well. So let's take a look at this um, phrasal verb there, spread out. Um, they are talking about like where I live. I have neighbors, but we're spread out. Let's see. I'm going to take my fingers. That's spread out spread out. Um, a lot of times when I'm teaching and if, um, if we're trying to do something outside and it requires some movement, I might ask my students, Hey, can you spread out so you don't hit each other? You know, if they're moving their arms. So in most places in the United States, the population is spread out, you know, Los Angeles, New York, our big cities, Phoenix, Seattle. I know Amina is a big Seattle fan. We're going to do Seattle soon. So the population is thick. It's, it's, it's dense in those places. So if you have ever been to New York, I know Rod has, I know, um, oh, maybe it's just Rod, but if you've been to New York, let me know in the comments, um, that in New York, I'm not saying that people aren't friendly. I have been lost in New York. And there were a few people that stopped to help me. So I think New Yorkers, they're pretty friendly. They really can be. But when they're walking on the street, it's there's so many people that are, hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? No, that's not how it is. But I think when Americans travel, maybe we are just very friendly. Hey, how you doing? And then people in other countries are like, uh, I don't know you. Who are you? Who are you? Um, let me know in the comments, is it weird for you to make eye contact anywhere? Omega has been, Omega has been to New York and in, in her dreams. Well, it kind of counts. That kind of counts. Um, Jamie and I are thinking, Jamie, my wife, she's still sleeping. We're thinking about going to a concert in New York in November. The hotel is not that expensive. It's like a little over a hundred dollars. November, 
New York. Eh, we might do it. I don't know. What's the next one here? They hang around. Oh, no. We have a phrasal verb here. They hang around restaurants waiting to be seated. Another phrasal verb. Just in case you don't know what hang around means, in this way, it just means to wander in a place, to stay in a place and not leave. So if you work with a lot of friends, after work, you may just hang around and talk to each other. You're not in a rush to go home. So number two, it says Americans, we hang around waiting to be seated. And the reason we do this is because at a lot of American restaurants, there will be a sign that says, please wait to be seated. When you go to an American restaurant, one of the first things you'll have to do is wait for the hostess. And that's the person who will take you to your seat. You have to wait there. A lot of restaurants. Now, McDonald's, no, you just sit wherever you want. But where there is a server, like a waiter or a waitress, they get tips. We'll talk about tips in a little bit. So after your meal, if you feel like the server has done a good job, brought the food out on time, was polite, you give them a little extra money. We call that a tip. So when you are being seated, they want to spread out the people so that every server has the same amount of people. So I think it comes down to tipping, but Americans, we are definitely used to waiting around. Anita, how are you? How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the next one, they're impatient. Does anybody know what impatient means? Impatient. No loitering, Rod says. Yeah, if you've seen the um, the video I did, the lesson on getting kicked out of a 7-Eleven, I did show a sign like loitering. No loitering. Yeah, great point, Rod, because hanging around is loitering. So at 7-Eleven, they don't want you loitering in the parking lot. But at some restaurants, they do want you to loiter before you get your table. So good point. Yes, um, Mega is saying dispersed and spread out. Almost the same thing. I'm not sure if you can use them interchangeably all the time, but I know sometimes you can. Let me go back to that example of my students if they're all clumped together, that might be a new word for you, clumped together. A clump is um, often things that are like stuck together. If my students are clumped together, I might say, hey, could you, could you guys disperse? That sounds a little formal, so I would probably stick with spread out, but the police... If there is a group of people loitering, maybe at the 7-Eleven, the police may come and say, hey, people, disperse, please, disperse. Yeah, it's, a, it's a little formal, spread out uh, works when you're talking kind of casually, but if it's official, you might say disperse, clumped. I used to have a dog and the hair, the fur would shed and, um, it would like clump, it would come out in clumps when, when spring came around, the dog would, uh, lose its hair or fur in clumps, be all clumped together, be all clumped together. All right. Ario, Ario, Ario is a good, good person. So, uh, they have a WhatsApp, all right. English for all. Okay. All right. Do it. Do it up. Do it up. Hey, Zobay. Um, Linda says clumps or tufts. Um, so tufts of hair can be the same thing. 
Um, when the dog's fur fell out, I would not call it tufts, I don't think, but tufts of hair is hair that is all grouped together. Yeah. And you might have to comb it out. Um, tufts, it doesn't sound as bad as clumps. Yeah. Good call. But yeah, most of the time you can use those interchangeably. Sam, the Taiwanese, Sam, the Taiwanese is here. Uh, Amina, this is a, this is a, a little off topic. Cook the books. That's a tough one. Um, uh, it's illegal. Um, but if you are cooking the books, that means you are, um, you're like putting in fake money. Like you're saying you have more money than you actually have, or maybe you're saying you have less money than you actually have, but cooking the books, uh, please don't ever do it because you could get in trouble, at least in the United States. Uh, your tax, the tax people may come and get you. Yeah. Cooking the books. That's, that's illegal. So Americans, I hope they don't cook the books. Thanks Amina for that question. Amina is a channel member. So I, I got to look out for the channel members. Thank you. The next, oh, impatient, impatient. It means they don't like to wait. Even though number two, it said they hang around. That's another way to say waiting a little bit, but was that, why is that, why is that waiter walking in water? I never noticed that. They have, boot, what is that? What is up with that? I didn't notice that. That looks like water on the floor. Wow. I would be, I would be leaving that restaurant. I think anyway, sorry, sidetracked. So number three is that Americans are impatient. We don't like to wait. Thanks to conglomeration. That's also meaning um, uh, sticking together, a uh, conglomerate. In capitalism, optimizing customer service Six Sigma style. This is this is way too difficult uh, for me to go over everything in this. Um, but Americans are used to fast-paced service in lines everywhere. Don't worry about that first sentence. It's just like really difficult. Um, it would take me probably 20 minutes to explain all of the difficult words there, but the blue Americans are used to fast paced service at restaurants in lines everywhere. Yeah. We don't like waiting that much. No, we have McDonald's so you can literally order your food. And if everything goes well, it should be ready in like three or four minutes. And then you leave with your food. So we're a little impatient when it comes to waiting around sometimes, sometimes check, please. You might hear that in a restaurant check, please. Like they want the bill so they can leave. That's a little tricky too. A check is sometimes something you write to give people money, but then at the end of your meal, you might ask for the check, which means you have to pay something. It just doesn't make any sense. Linda, exact. Hold your horses. Hold your horses. Did I did I do that lesson recently? It sounds familiar that I Bob the Canadian might have. Hey, Bob the Canadian gave me a shout out on his uh shorter channel. If you're not um familiar with Bob's shorter English lessons, check it out. It's good stuff. Um he might have done hold your horses. Or have I written it down that I want to do hold your horses? But either way, yeah, just, just wait, hold your horses. Don't, don't be in a rush. All right. The next one, poor America. Ooh, they ask where the restroom is. Hey, what's wrong with that? Restroom. We might be the only people that call it a restroom though. Let's look down here. Canadians say washroom. The British say toilet or loo. So we, we say bathroom. You might also hear uh bathroom. So restroom, bathroom, same thing. The place in a restaurant, you know, if you've had too much water, you may need to get rid of it. Hey, could you show me uh where's the bathroom? Where's the restroom? We never say washroom. 
Where's the washroom? Nah, we never say that. What? Wait, hang on. What? Learned it from? Oh, did we did we talk about that already? Hold your horses. Very nice. Linda. Um, yeah, Jamie hasn't been on the channel for a while. I'm doing a video right now on how to get ready for a road trip. And she was going to be in the video, but she, we're just too busy. She's doing her thing and I'm doing my thing. So... Uh, yeah, I think Mr. B- he did that today too. in his, uh, his latest lesson, he did it today mode. He, uh, gave me another shout out. Good guy. Good guy. Um, but if you come to the United States and you say, Hey, where's the toilet? Where's the washroom? People will know if you say, where is the loo? We might be a little stumped. We might not know what you mean. They ask for diet drinks diet drinks. So diet means fewer calories. Diet drinks. Diet culture has permeated the globe. means like sunken. It's like it's everywhere permeated, but Americans especially try to cut calories and beers and sodas instead of enjoying a treat in moderation. If you enjoy something in moderation, how about this? Let's talk about with the soda. If you enjoy soda in moderation, it means you don't have a bunch all at once. You may spread it out. So instead of having six sodas in one day, you might have six sodas over six days. It's moderation, moderation. We just, we just love, we love soda. So we don't want to stop drinking our soda. We'll say, Hey, can I get a diet Pepsi? Can I, can I get a diet Coke? And the new thing is zero, zero. You may have this in your country, Coke zero, Mountain Dew zero. I had one of those yesterday, but, um, it means that there is zero sugar in it but it should taste like the real thing, the real thing. All right. So mega says they say bathroom in India too. Oh, even while speaking the native language, I watch a guy, his native language is Hindi. And I know mega's, um, native language is not Hindi, but he will speak Hindi. I will watch the subtitles, but often he will say English words. In Hindi, it sounds exactly, it's like English every once in a while. So interesting. Bathroom, bathroom. You're right. My comments have stopped for some reason. They'll probably start back up here. Diet soda has permeated the globe, but Americans especially try to cut out calories or cut calories in beer and soda instead of enjoying a treat in moderation. Moderation. All right. Hopefully that makes sense. They're wearing sneakers, shorts, and t-shirts. All right. Um, I don't think, yeah, we can't show the sneakers, but a t-shirt. Yeah. See, this woman is wearing a t-shirt. That's her sleeve. T-shirts have short sleeves. So you can see her arm. We would call this her forearm. I think I mentioned this about, I think I mentioned this in a member's video, but that's her forearm. And then this is her wrist right there. She has another wrist right there. Did you know wrist? thought that might be new for some people and we can't see their shorts, but you, you might know what shorts are. And then let's talk about sneakers for a second. Um, I'm not wearing shoes right now. I can't show you, but sneakers are those shoes that are more athletic. You might play basketball in sneakers. You might play tennis in sneakers, but in some parts of the country, like where my wife is from, Linda mentioned in the South, they call them tennis shoes. Yeah. And I think Bob, the Canadian says in Canada, maybe Amina can let us know. I think they call them trainers. So that is one shoe in English. That has a lot of different meanings. Sneakers. Where I come from, 
sneakers. So I guess in other parts of the world, are tourists more dressed up? I, I think that's true. I think that's true. To be fair, Americans dress a lot more casually than other countries in general. So this isn't just a tourist thing. It is definitely more acceptable for us to walk around and te- like I'm wearing a t-shirt right now. I could go most places in a t-shirt in the United States, a fancy restaurant. No, I couldn't, but you know, I'm, I'm wearing a t-shirt. Can you see it? Yeah. T-shirt. Yeah. That's a t-shirt. Let's see here. Comments. Can I, my comments have stopped. Sorry. If you left a comment, I probably can't see it, but hopefully I can see it soon. They are loud. Is that true? Do we, do we have the reputation as being loud when Americans visit your country? Are we the loudest? I hope not, but we are sometimes guilty of being loud. Um, and this can be a little tricky here. I'll attest to this. When you say I'll attest to this, it means, yeah, I know it. Maybe I've done it myself, but I can say it's true. As an American, I'll attest to this. We're very loud. We're very loud. This is called a, um, oh, we don't want to get into English grammar too much, do we? This is a dash. It's not a hyphen. It's a dash. Boring, right? Let's, we won't talk about the difference between hyphens and dashes. What? Okay. And I agree. I agree with this one here. Number eight, we're talking about food. Okay. They're disrespectful or confused very loudly by different foods. A lot of times Americans do not like to try new foods. Not sure if Yawin and Miho are here, but in some parts of Asia, I know definitely in Japan, Americans often think of the Japanese as having very crazy exotic foods. Like, excuse me, need to hydrate here. Like, I believe there's a a, a fish in Japan that can kill you if you eat it the wrong way. It has to be prepared perfectly. So Americans, we often don't want to try new foods when we get out of the country, which is unfortunate. And oftentimes, we'll, we'll wrinkle our nose. If this is a term we use sometimes when we don't like the idea of something, we'll wrinkle our nose. Let me show you what wrinkle your nose is. It's just if if we went to another country and we said, "Hey, they are serving even goat." Not many Americans will eat goat, but I know in some parts of the world, goat, the animal, goat, is very popular. But we, I don't want to try that. Yeah. So I think Americans can be a little disrespectful when it comes to that kind of food. It's true. Yeah. They try to tip everywhere. I talked a little bit about tipping before. Americans tip. We, we tip almost all the time. At McDonald's, no. At Starbucks, yeah. At Subway to get a sandwich, sometimes we will tip. If the person does a really good job making our sandwich, well, here's a couple extra bucks for you, Sonny. Yeah, we'll tip. So often when the service is good, we give extra money. When you go to a hotel in the United States and the person, we sometimes call that person a bellhop. When the bellhop brings your bags to your room, eh, you should slip them. Slip them a couple extra bucks. Yeah, that's tipping. That's tipping. I, I cannot read comments. I'm sorry. StreamYard. StreamYard, by the way. Thank you. Stream. Why? Why? Bring my comments back, please. Number eight. They try to tip everywhere. And I think in other countries, tipping, well, it says it right here. Tipping 
is disrespectful. I think it's considered rude in other countries and it might make somebody feel uncomfortable. God, why are you, why are you giving me money? But Americans, we love tipping. I don't know. It's just, just the way we do things. What's the next one here? Oh, they put ice in everything. I love a cold drink with ice. I am guilty of this. I'm not quite sure why this is true, except that all my foreign friends agree. And again, goes to Americans needing to optimize everything, like make it perfect, optimize, like working the best that it can, faster, colder, more, guilty, guilty. I love ice in my drinks. Now I don't, when I'm live streaming, I don't put ice in my drink. I am drinking water here. So you can't see it. I'll have, oh, can you kind of see it? I don't want to spill it. This is just water and no ice, but oh, this, I would call this a ceramic mug, a ceramic mug. If I put ice in it, it would make it even colder, which would be even better. But I don't like the glass. I'm sorry. I don't like the ice clinking against the glass. That sound that ice makes. If I swirled it, we might call it clinking, clinking, C-L-I-N-K-I-N-G. Yeah, and I can't see any of my comments. I'm sorry. Sorry. If you've left me a comment in the last 10 minutes, it's not there. Hmm. Next one. Come on. Ketchup. Americans, we love ketchup. Oh, yeah. I'll put ketchup on burgers. I'll put ketchup on potatoes sometimes, especially breakfast potatoes, French fries. Come on. French fries. So healthy for you, right? Just a bunch of salt. Same goes for ranch. I don't have any ranch dressing with me, but it is um, a white. Hey, let me know in the comments. Do you know what uh, ranch is? I can't read the comments, but you can put in the comments for other people. I'll have to go back and look at it later. Actually, you know, can I hang on? Can I open up YouTube? I hope I don't hear myself. Can I open up YouTube and maybe see the comments there? I probably can. I'll just have to mute myself. Yeah. Okay. We mute this. Can I see the, I can see the comments. Hey, I just had to go to a, okay. Uh, and I can't put any of this on the screen, but Ibrahim, how are you, my friend? Hope you're doing well. Um, mega asked, sir, you don't eat chicken. I do eat chicken and mutton. Uh, no, I've never had mutton. What is mutton? Is that lamb mutton? Yeah. It's not very popular in the United States. Uh, Miho says the Japanese like eating fish, but isn't there a fish that if you cook it the wrong way, it will kill you. I think that's a Japanese thing. I don't think it's exactly common, but I think it's um, like we would call it a delicacy where it's for a special purpose, probably cost a little bit more money. Oh, Mega, thank you. She's enjoying this live. I wish I could could, uh, get those comments on the screen. So sorry. StreamYard, you let me down. StreamYard's usually great, but today, not so good. They're impressed by old things. We're not just, look at, there's a picture of an old man. Look at his chin. We would call this a, he has a butt chin. He has a butt chin. When Did, did you think you would learn that in this English lesson? That man has a butt chin. Uh, let me show you my chin. Oh, it's covered in a beard. Uh, you can't see it, but... um. Some people have a, a clef in their chin. We call it a clef. And uh, they have a butt chin. So that man, I mean, it, it looks like a butt, right? It, it looks like a butt. But he has a butt chin. And when we're talking about old things, we're not talking about ju- 
Oh, hang on. Um, Mega says mutton is goat. I don't. Let me be sure on this. I think mutton is lamb. Mutton is lamb. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a sheep. Um, can I share this with you? Yeah, just in case. If you ever hear, if you ever come to the United States and you're like, um, I want some mutton. Uh, I think it's too hard for me to share, but trust me. Um, mutton is lamb. Mutton is lamb or sheep. Lamb is just a baby sheep. Yeah. So mutton. We're talking about old things here as in buildings and stuff. So think about it. Everything is old compared to the United States. I mean, like a hundred year old building, as they say there, it's like really old. Our country started or at least the country that we know started in like the 1700s, like like 300 years ago, not even. So you can imagine if you live in Italy or if you live in India or if you live in Japan, your country is way older than the United States that we know. Actually, technically, Linda, is Linda still here? Um, Italy, the Italy we know was that 1851, Linda? The Italy that we know? But of course, they have Roman history. The Italian language, by the way, right, Linda? I'm not sure if... Yeah, uh, Anita says, uh, mutton is lamb. Thank you. Yeah, a clef in the chin is more noticeable than the dimple in the chin. It's good, good call, um, Mode. So usually, yeah, this could be called a dimple as well. Um, but mostly dimples are in the cheeks and then a clef is right in the middle of the chin. But if you called it a dimple, people would know exactly what it is. Yeah. Just looking through the comments. Ooh, Japanese chocolate. Yeah. When you're making me hungry and I already had breakfast, but, uh, I might need some more. It's like, ah, Linda says I'm correct. I got something right. Um, But I can't remember the dialect that was chosen in Italy. Was it the Venetian dialect? I think it was. I think it was the, I think it was. Oh, I can't remember. I should have, I should have. What is this guy wearing? They compare everything to the U.S. Look at that bathing suit. Nothing says America like that bathing suit. He's got. He's got the fireworks going on in the back of him. Look at that bare feet. He has no shoes on. He's, he's barefoot. He's barefoot. So people from larger countries who aren't forced to experience other countries or travel have a tendency to think the world is that country. So what that means is because the United States is so large, I think it's the fourth largest country in the world. Or is it third? No, fourth. Russia, Canada. Is the U.S. third? China, the t- I know that the U.S. is in the top five. I think Brazil is five. China might be four. The U.S. is three. So very big countries. It, it takes you a long time to drive from one country to the other. So what they're saying here in this article is that we just, we kind of think, you know, everything is the United States. We think a lot of our country just because it's so big, you know, probably there are a lot of Americans who live their whole life, never leaving the country. If you take a smaller country like Italy, where um, Linda's from, especially if you live in Northern Italy, you you might go to Switzerland that wouldn't be unheard of. You may go to Germany, not too far away, Albania, you know. Um, in Europe, the countries are smaller, so you can you can travel to other countries really quickly. If you live in a country like India, very big, that might be number number six. It's a very big country. Um, you know, you might never leave your country for your whole life. It's such a big country. So we always think of things as like, oh, 
Every other place is so different from the U.S. So it's a big country. I didn't think we would do all of these, but uh, let's do a little. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Last two. They overpack. And this is a great um, illustration of what overpacked is. Like they just pack way too much stuff. Nothing in moderation. Nothing. Moderation is almost like medium moderation. So we just, we do things way over the top. And we have this saying you might be familiar with, go big or go home. Like do it really big or don't even try. Just go back to your house. So yeah, I think we're guilty of this. I I don't want to say too much, but my wife, Jamie, she overpacks. Don't, don't tell her I said that, but she overpacks. Yeah. She, she, she mega says India is the seventh largest country. All right. Thank you. Um, Svetki, I need to ask you in the next chat. Am I saying you're Florence? Sorry, Linda. Thank you. Um, Svetki, am I saying your name correctly? Hope everything is going well in Turkey. Yeah, so we uh we overpack. Too much. Too much stuff. Overpack. Jamie does it a lot. All right, and the last one. They may create their own tourist stereotypes. Ooh, I think this guy might be from Sweden. There's no telling where she's from. I don't know. Could be the United States. But basically, um we might be our own worst enemy. You know, the loud Americans, when we go to another country, we may just, you know, be our own worst enemy. And we just think we have to act like this. We are the loud Americans. So let us be loud. You know, I don't know. Hopefully um, the tourists that you've met in your country aren't all that bad. Hopefully they're pretty nice. Hopefully we're very respectful if you've ever seen tourists in your country from the United States. I would like to thank everybody for this lesson. I hope you learned a little bit. Thanks for stopping by. Um, and we'll do this again soon. I'm going to be leaving on a road trip, uh, which will be on the other channel, American English with this guy. It's going to be a long one, like three days, two nights in a car but I'll, I'll show it all. I'll show it all road trip tomorrow on the other channel. I should have a video called how to talk about a road trip in English or something like that. Thank you so much, everybody. And, uh, I'll see you soon. Adios amigos.